0: every big thing starts small it's a natural law every big multinational corporation was once a small business welcome to the small starter business podcast a unique podcast for practical tips and advice to help you start grow or turn around your business welcome to another exciting episode of the small starter business podcast I am your host as usual John Paul Iwoha uh, today we're going to be c- talking about customers and if you're in business you have to love customers because customers are the reason why you're in business now customers mean that you can make sales you, you know you need you need to make sales to bring in money and then any business that's not bringing in enough money it's only a matter of time before it goes poof before it crashes. So customers are important. But today we're going to be talking about a different kind of customer, your most demanding customers, your most challenging customers, the ones we call difficult customers. And the reason it's important to look at this is that customers can make or break a business. And there are several ways this can happen. uh, Customers can make your business through repeat business. A happy customer is a customer that is likely to come back. And a customer that keeps coming back and coming back will save you marketing expenses because you don't need to recruit them again. They're already already a loyal customer and they'll keep buying from you until you give them a reason not to. And what repeat business does is that it gives you some level of certainty and predictability that money is going to keep coming in. You can imagine the kind of stress and strain you will feel if you always have to keep marketing to make sales. It just helps that you have a segment of your customer base that is loyal to you, that will keep buying from you until you give them a reason not to. Which is why I always say that one loyal customer, one paying customer is worth more than 12 potential customers. So you can spend all the money you want looking for new customers, but the customers you already have at hand are worth much more than the potential ones that can come in. Customers can also become your fans and ambassadors and what this does is it provides free marketing for you. They can provide social proof to potential customers because when when, uh, people who are not yet your customers can see what your customers are saying about your business and how they feel about you and how they are proud to do business with you, that is already free marketing for you because those people all of a sudden can get convinced by themselves. They don't need you to convince them. The the product of your work, the result of your work, which is your happy customers, can do the convincing for them. They can also provide referrals. Happy customers can provide referrals. They can tell their friends and family and other people about it that is free promotion that is free marketing you don't need to pay for it so you end up recruiting new customers that you didn't uh, you did that didn't cost you anything another important benefit of uh, good customers of, of having um, good customers is that they can be a source of important feedback and now this even includes your your good and difficult customers including your difficult customers sometimes are the most outspoken customers you know most times unsatisfied customers leave without saying a word they they you don't serve them well they just they just um they let you know by not giving you their money anymore they just leave you and go somewhere else they don't say a word so that is why those ones that actually talk the outspoken ones the ones that give you hell in quotes the difficult ones can be a very good source of feedback because they actually let you know what's going on in their mind. Unlike those ones who just walk away without without giving you the benefit of the doubt or without telling you um, anything. And that's because your customers see your business from a unique direction that many times can be different from the perspective you have. Um, because you're inside the business, there are different angles you cannot see. And sometimes I, I think I heard somebody saying you cannot read the label of the bottle by being inside the bottle. So many times as entrepreneurs, we're inside the business, but we don't have an outside perspective of what our business looks like from the outside looking in, which is where your customers play a good role. They can give you critical feedback that can help you fix problems in your business, that can help you improve, that can help you grow. They can give you ideas about how things can be better and things like that. So that is an area where you need to appreciate some of those customers who are difficult because the reason they are difficult is that sometimes they are giving you feedback. And I hope it's constructive feedback because there's a lot you can learn from, from, from that feedback. And then another way customers can actually harm your business would be if, you, if they become a strong negative force. They can, And in this era of social media, they can, they can actually cost you a whole lot. They can leave you a very bad review. They can badmouth your business. On, on Twitter, on Facebook, or wherever it is, in the comment section of blogs and things. So there are different ways um, customers who, who are not happy with you can actually get back at you. So these are not the days where a customer just grumbles and walks away and then there's nothing they can do to you. These days, they can actually hurt you. So it's important how you handle your difficult customers because if you don't handle your, your difficult customers well, they could actually become rebels. And you could actually, more or less, in quotes, radicalize them, and then they turn against you and cost your your business. They can they can lead to bad press. Like I said, they can bad mouth you on social media. They can actually demarket your business because there are two ways. Your good customers can recommend your business to friends and family, but your de- those customers you've lost that have a grudge against you can actually make you lose customers by telling people not to do business, not to do business with you. So now that I've more or less run through why i I can imagine that many of these things I'm saying should be obvious to entrepreneurs, but it's always it's always good to to refresh our minds that customers are the reason why we're in business and they they are important because they help to keep our business alive and you need to understand the roles that they play in your business so now let's let me now get into the the five different types of difficult customers and how you can handle each of them. The very first one that comes to mind is the bully now. The bully is a kind of customer who is quick to anger. They are very demanding and aggressive. They can be highly critical. Many times they are impatient. They can be rude, you know, they can be arrogant, and um, often verbally abusive. And um, it's very common for them to use intimidation, intimidation tactics. So when you find a customer who's, who has this kind of behavior, maybe they are pissed off by something in your business. Maybe by something your staff said or did or didn't do or something you did or didn't do. Whatever the reason is, the way this kind of customer handles the situation is they're very outspoken. They are visibly angry. They can get very rude. They can cause a scene in your place of business. So how do you handle the bully? So the very first step is be polite. Don't make the mistake of trying to match their aggression or try to get into a debate or shouting match with them. No matter what um, reasons you have, it's difficult to sometimes make a point to the bully because if you're trying to match the aggression, then you're going to escalate the issue. The other thing you should do is make amends if you can. If it's something you've done wrong or something you you, you said you were going to do but didn't do, make amends. Apologize if it's something that requires apology you can provide clarity. If there's something that is causing the confusion, that is making the bully go mad, you can provide clarity and say, okay, I'm sorry you saw it this way, but this is actually what it is, or this is actually what I meant. You know, more or less, make amends, uh, provide that clarity. If it's about an issue with the product and the person wants to return the product, it's fine. You can save yourself an enemy just by... You know, accepting the return, if it's within your policy, of course, if it's something that requires a refund, whatever it is, just try to diffuse the situation. It's possible sometimes just by an apology, a sincere apology, providing clarity, providing more information if it's um, uh, an issue of confusion, um, accepting maybe if if the person wants to return a product or wants a refund or whatever it is. Another thing you can do to deal with a bully is, you know, to to be firm and stand on the rules. Sometimes a bully is asking for much more than you are willing to give or that's within the agreement or within the contract. And they're trying to intimidate you into going beyond the scope. It's always good to be firm and stand by the rules Make, reiterate your business policy. If it's something about a business policy that the bully is trying to intimidate you into contravening, you have to state it clearly that I'm sorry, I'm sorry you feel this way, but we are unable to do this because it is against our policy. It could be whatever policy it is. You have to clearly state it. Or I'm sorry you're asking for this, but it is beyond the scope of the contract we signed. You know, or I'm sorry to do, I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to, I'm sorry you feel this way, but, you know, we cannot move ahead with this because in line with our previous agreements or the email I sent you on so 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 day, we agreed that we're not going to do this. So you need to remain firm and provide the clarity and stand by the rules, the agreements or whatever it is that you have with that person. Another important thing to do too is depending on the situation, you may need to allow the bully to cool off and then re-engage them at another time. Sometimes when people are angry, it's difficult to get them to see reason. But if you can diffuse the situation with an apology, it doesn't mean the person will ap- accept your apology there and then. They may storm out or leave you, but allow them to cool off and then at another time you can re-engage them when you know when the head is cooler, and then you know, reason can prevail. Uh, of course, if they're a premium customer, and I've, I've, we've all had our fair share of uh, premium customers, a, a customer who is responsible for a huge chunk of your business in terms of sales or whatever, those ones you have to more or less, more or less, for want of a better word, you have to pamper them. You know, you have to massage their ego. It's important if the person is valuable to your business, then it's something you need to do. It's called relationship management. I've seen it, uh, what was the last place? I think it was a bank or something. There are banks that have a customer who represents an account that is major, and then they assign one person. It could even be a manager, a senior manager, or a director that manages that relationship specifically with that person. So if the person is a bully, you just have to manage that that relationship. That is your job. Except Unless the bully is going to move on to somebody who can do a good job of, um, if what they want is somebody who massages their ego or something, but you need to make sure that you are not being intimidated into giving out more or doing something that will hurt your business just because you want to please the bully. The upside to bullies is that a converted bully, when you convert a bully, they can become your most loyal customer and an ambassador. So when somebody is a bully, they could use that energy and force that they have in your favor if you can convert them. So your bullies, your converted bullies may be your most outspoken and most outstanding fans and ambassadors. So there's a benefit in converting bullies, but that doesn't mean you should allow it to cost your business or harm your business to convert a bully. Not every bully can be converted. Not every bully should be won over. If you find out that a bully is... You know, sending the wrong message, especially to your staff, or uh, more or less being physical, being abusive, and things like that. If you, if if it requires that you have to cut them off, then you know sometimes it makes sense to do that. There are some customers that are not worth you know uh, ruining the whole bunch. Like they say, one bad one bad apple or one bad tomato can ruin the whole bunch. So it's um, it's important that you apply discretion. And, and some judgment in dealing with these things. So um, one, one example, one personal example from, from my own experience is I've had customers, one particular one comes to mind, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to call his name, but you know, when a customer starts to demand more service than they paid for, which is why sometimes it's always very important for you to make things very clear. Assumptions are not good when you're getting a customer on board. If a customer assumes they are going to get A, B, C, but in reality, they are going to get only A or only B. You need to make that very clear from the beginning because that money, you that sale is not worth the headache. So in this case, of course, everything was made clear, but it was a case where um, I think the customer saw how passionate I was about serving, about, you know, helping them succeed. And they, they wanted to more or less bully their way into getting me to do something beyond the scope of what they asked for. And I said, you know, no. And then they, they ask okay then we're going to stop we're going to stop um, patronizing you and I'm like, if that is what it's going to take, I'm very sorry that it has come to this point but there are there are rules and if you look at the contract, the, what you're asking for was not included. If you want this we can upgrade it you know but you know you cannot um, blackmail me into into doing that. So in that case I was firm. I referred to the contract. And incidentally, the person never left. He's still a customer up until today. So, like every bully, when you look them in the eyes and, you know, stand firm on the rules, you're polite, you're not being aggressive or abusive as they are, they tend to respect you. So, those things, um, they they actually work. The second type of difficult customer is is the know-it-all. I call him Mr. Know-it-all, Miss Know-it-all. So, this is the kind of customer who, in local parlance, is the kind of customer who wants to teach you how to do your job, or how to deliver your your service. So, in my opinion, this kind of customer has an intellectual superiority complex. You know, so they know so much that sometimes it becomes overwhelming whether they even really need you, since they since they already know all of all these things. Why do they need your product or? Or your your service, and sometimes they you know it all. May try to devalue your product or service by saying, "Is it not just this simple thing? Is that what you're charging? X? Is that what you're charging one thousand dollars for? Is that what you're charging fifty dollars for?" So, and what I realize sometimes is it, it can be a negotiation gambit. Sometimes they're just doing that to to knock you off course and then see how you react. But bottom line is, with this kind of customer, you need to acknowledge them. So the reason why they have the intellectual superiority complex is they believe they know. So don't get into a debate or you need to compliment compliment their knowledge of the subject. You know, acknowledge that, wow, okay, you know quite a bit about this. Um, You know, it is impressive. It is impressive. Acknowledge what they know. Don't try to argue or debate with them because that will further escalate the issue. Because this is somebody who is trying to prove to you that they know something. The moment you try to debate them, you're going to escalate the issue. So the way I would normally handle it is: the person says something, even though I think they are not correct or they did not get it. What I'm going to say is, I think you're correct, uh, Mister Mister X. Let's just say it's Mister X. I think you're correct, Mister X. And I would I would just add that, and then. I make my point. I'm actually make that point to counter something that they said. But the premise of my submission is that I agree, I agree with them. So I'm not arguing with you. I'm not debating. What you said is correct. Even though I think it's not correct, but I'm going to show you why I think I'm going to show you why I think um, what you've said is not really correct. But rather than say, uh, sir, I don't th- I think that is wrong. Or I think what you said does not fly or you're just going to you're just going to exacerbate the situation. You're going to escalate it. So I think what that's a very that's a very solid idea this is what I would say that's a very solid idea and I would add that and then I make my point you see so I'm not countering him I'm validating I'm acknowledging his knowledge I'm keeping his ego intact I'm not confronting him I'm not debating with him but there's a way I can make my point without Making him feel like he doesn't know what he's talking about. Another way too to deal with the Mister Know It or when they are challenging. In a case where you find that they are challenging your expertise or they're challenging the, the 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 effectiveness of your product or something. One way I find that works is to use third party validation of your expertise or your product or service. So if you have past and current customers that have that you can you can tout as case studies, that would help because these are third party people. Who are saying something great about what you have to offer that can help if you have certifications you have a certification from a respected authority it could be a license it could be a permit or something that helps to boost your credibility because nobody would want to argue with such a certification if you have awards from credible organizations or prestigious sources you can't out them if you've been featured on 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 um, if you've been featured in the media, you know, incredible media um, sources. That would also that would also help. Excuse me. <clears throat> so, a, a personal example. There was I was trying to pitch to a, a client. Um, I was supposed to run a strategy retreat for their senior management team, and then of course, after seeing my quotes, you know, they were a bit skeptical about the value I could bring, and you know. Arguing with them about value would not lead anywhere, especially when when the person thinks that they are intellectually superior. So what I did was I shared profiles of previous clients. I also sent links on about. I was also sent links about my appearances in the media, my my appearance on CNN, uh, LinkedIn, and a couple of them and uh, HuffPost. And as you can imagine, this had the right influence because they're like, okay, if this guy has been featured on all these platforms, then he really has something, you know. So that can help, but don't try to debate them because, by debating with them, you're going to lose them. So, if you have third-party credentials, third-party validation, you can show it. You acknowledge them, just like I said. The third type of difficult customer is the habitual complainer. So this is a customer. This is a customer who, who complains about everything, and um, they complain about everything um, because they're outspoken and. The reason this is important is, like I mentioned earlier, not all of your customers will be outspoken. Some of them may hold a grudge and walk away and stop spending in your business. Now, I would rather a customer who complains and then I at least I get the benefit of the doubt before they walk away. So a habitual complainer in my own books is not terribly a difficult customer, but they also belong to, to this group because they can be a substantial source of, of stress, but they can also be a good source of feedback for your business so how do you handle the habitual complainer now the first very first step is to be responsive they complain about something try to fix the problem if the complaint is constructive and if it will add value to your business so they complain about something fix it they complain about something else fix it if it's really broken then there is many there is merit in the complaint so you go ahead and and you fix it the kind of uh, complaints that That should now start to get you worried is when there is really no issue and the person is complaining. Maybe there's you've looked at it and then there's no problem with this, at least from your perspective. And then you might, it might also help for you to get other people's opinion. And if if there's an agreement that, you know, this thing this person is complaining about, there's really nothing in it, then that is the kind of complaint that should worry you. But for every complaint that is made, look into it. If there's something broken or something that can be improved, do it. You need to be responsive. And the reason why you need to be responsive is the habitual complainer does not want to feel ignored. When, the person, when somebody complains and complains and then you ignore them, they can actually use that against you and say, this business does not care about its customers. I complained about A, they did nothing about it. I complained about B, they did nothing about it. I complained about C, they did nothing about it. So I walked away with my money. And right now I'm pissed off. So I'm telling everybody, because I'm angry, I'm telling everybody negative things about that business, that they are not serious. That could harm you, so it helps for you to be responsive. If there's something they complain about and you see that it's something that needs to be fixed, fix it. The second thing you need to do with habitual complainers is to watch what they do, not what they say. So sometimes people complain, but then they are still customers because. So let me assume that you're responsive. They complain about something and you're responsive, you address it, you apologize, you fix it, you're responsive. That doesn't mean the complaints will stop. For some habitual complainers, they just continue complaining. It doesn't matter what you do. But as long as you remain responsive, at a point, you know, you have to actually watch out. If this guy cannot be satisfied, why is he still a customer? So that's why you need to watch what they do and and not not what they say. So if you remain responsive, there's a very good likelihood that you're going to retain those... um, you're going to retain a habitual complainer in your business. He might not, he may not, he or she may not be your most excited customer, but they may, they may be loyal to you because you always respond. They complain and you respond. You don't ignore them. So even though they are not excited or happy, okay, they might be happy, but they are not showing it. But even though they are not excited, they might not be your ambassadors. They might not go out there and you know give do, give you some free marketing by telling their friends and family. Uh, about it. But because you do not ignore them, they are going to stick with you. So it's important to watch what they do and not what they say. The other thing you should always do is be courteous because the reason I say this is complaints are going to come in all manners, in all in all ways and styles, in all types of formats. <clears throat> Excuse me. A complainer can give you a stinker. It could be an offensive email. No, but when I say offensive, not really in that slide, but it might not be courteous. You don't don't expect all your don't expect your habitual complainers to be courteous and polite when they when they complain. They might say, they might say things in ways that you don't like it, but that should not make you lose your cool. Always be courteous. It will not always be easy. Somebody calls you on the phone and is yelling on the phone somebody somebody's raising their voice, they are talking to you, or somebody sends you a stinker email, all those things will not be easy to respond to. But like I said, be responsive. If there is merit in the complaint, address it, and then watch what they do, not what they say. So over time, you're going to get used to this. I'm, I'm not sure, have I ever had, I've had a couple of habitual complainers, but one that readily comes to mind is not... For me, it's not negative in my books. Is a, a, one of my one of my clients who is always in the course area, and what I find is he is always the first person to find out when a video is down, a video in a course is down, or there's a link that is broken. He goes through almost everything, and if if he doesn't if if he doesn't see something that's in place, he's going to complain about it. Now, the reason I find this uh, habitual complaint are valuable to my business is that most people who see those things might just keep quiet. And then when they keep quiet, it doesn't help me because I don't know that those things are happening. But when this guy complains, he draws my attention to something that needs to be fixed. And the moment I fix it, you know, he moves on. Now, it hasn't stopped him from complaining about some things, but he's remained a client for over four years. You know, so I'm watching what he's doing, not what he's saying, even though I'm responsive to what he's saying. But what it means is that he's, he's happy. That's why he hasn't gone anywhere. And I appreciate his complaints because... They serve as warning signals for me and as feedback for me to fix things that are that are broken, especially in our, in, our, in our members' area. The other type of customer, the other type of customer I want to talk about, the fourth type of difficult customer is the no boundaries customer. So this is a customer who is always in urgency or emergency mode. They are the type who would call you on the phone or want you to respond to an email after office hours, on weekends, on holidays even though you're in the hospital. They want everything to be done now because it's an emergency, because it's urgent. Now, we all know that everything cannot be urgent. And if you listen to a previous episode of this podcast, episode 17, I told you about the Eisenhower matrix, about how there are things that are urgent but they are not important. And there are things that are urgent and important. Those are the things you need to deal with now. There are things that are important, but they are not urgent. And then there are things that are, they are not urgent. They are not important. Those are like nuisance things. So what a no boundaries customer does is everything for them is urgent. urgent. I need you to deal with this now, now, now. And if you continue with that, if you play their game, you're going to be, you're always going to feel swarmed and overwhelmed, you know? So, and you don't have to feel this way and that's because there is a way to deal with a no boundaries customers a no boundaries customer and part of it has to be played by you so one of the first ways to deal with this kind of customer is to define the boundaries now you may assume that the customer knows what the boundaries are for example it's common sense that you don't call somebody after office hours or during the weekends or something but not everybody works that way all of us have different um, a, a different work ethic. For that person, it could be perfectly normal to call you on a Sunday morning. You know, but for you, you're like, no, this is like this is like my personal time, this is family time. So you need to define the boundaries. And there are ways you can do this. You may need to be clear about what your office hours are and what your vacation times are. So things like autoresponders. You send an email and you get an auto email autoresponder is free to set up. Um, I'm currently out of the office, but I'm going to be at the office. On by between eight a.m. And, f- and five p.m. Mondays to Fridays. You make it very clear. So if somebody sees that you're open between eight a.m. to five p.m., it doesn't make sense for them to contact you after office hours. So don't assume that the person knows what your boundaries are. You need to clearly define them. Also define your communication channels. If you have a con, if you have if you have a, if you have customers and you're dealing with them, let them know how you prefer to be contacted. Is it email? Is it uh, messenger apps? What exactly is it? So if you don't want phone calls, you can make it clear, okay, that this number is for WhatsApp or SMS messages only, or only call if it's an emergency, and then you define what an emergency is. So you need to be very clear. Also, it helps to define what your escalation criteria is. So if somebody has an issue, what is the first thing they do? Maybe they send an email. If the email is not responded to, then maybe they can send you a text message. If the text message doesn't go through or you don't respond, then they can give you a call. So you can set up escalation criteria to make sure that you are not overwhelmed or swarmed by a no boundaries customer. The other thing I find that works well is to use positive reinforcement because for some people, even after you set boundaries, They still want to test the boundaries. So what you need to do is you use a technique called positive um, reinforcement. So what it means is that if the customer sends something that is urgent and important, you deal with it. You You make it clear that I acknowledge that this is urgent and important stuff and I'm going to deal with it. When they send things that are unimportant and they are not urgent, you ignore it and treat it when they should be treated. So I'll give you an example with an experience. In fact, this was a former boss. So he would sometimes send work on Sunday morning. So it was it was hard at first. How do you tell your boss that you're busy or that you have family time or this is personal time and you cannot deal with this on a Sunday morning or you have to be in church, you know? So it was hard at first. But at the point, that positive reinforcement thing started to happen. If it was not urgent and important, I would leave it until Monday morning. I'll deal with it when I get to the office. But if it is urgent and important, of course, I deal with it. But if it is not, I don't even treat it at all. So it's important. And the reason why some people don't do this is you think that the customer is going to leave you. No. Every customer relationship is a value exchange. If the customer believes that they get value from, from you, the same way you're getting value from the customer, from the money that they pay you, Everybody needs to, both parties need to respect the boundaries of the other. So it's asking your customer to pay more money for the same service. That's the same thing it looks like when you're asking me to work more hours or you're taking out of my personal or family time to deal with something that I have fixed office hours for. So it's important that you define these boundaries like I I just explained. And then the fifth type of difficult customer is the indecisive customer. Um, This kind of customer can be difficult to spot. But by the time I explain who they are to you, maybe you might start to ring a bell. Um, these are the kind of customers who will ask you questions. They're very they're, many times they are polite. They ask you questions. They keep asking you even more questions, but they still cannot make a decision either, maybe to purchase or to actually even use the product or to get something done. So it, it doesn't matter the amount of information you provide this customer is always on your case, as, as we put it in local parlance. And they can come off as a time waster. They can be classic time wasters because when you keep repeating the same thing over and over and over again, and then the person is like, I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't mean to annoy you. Can I, I, I want to know about ABC. And then you explain ABC a few days ago. You know, so this kind of customer can, can be insidious because because they are not aggressive like the bully so, and they are polite. Sometimes you tend to take them for granted, but they actually waste your time. So how do you deal with this kind of customer? The first step is to find out their hot button. What is the problem? Why exactly are they, um, why, why exactly are they indecisive? Is it about the price of your product or your service? Is it about the risk? Is it about the quality of your product or service? Or is it about the quantity or the features of your, your product or, or service? Once you find out what that hot button is, You can then try to specifically zoom in on it and then address it the second way to deal with an indecisive customer is to try to sweeten the deal so uh, something that can help to make the decision easier so there are things you can do you can introduce urgency you can you can bring in some add-ons you can provide discounts you can give Risk reversal. So risk reversal will be something like if you buy it and you try it and you don't like it, you can return it within seven days and get your money back or something like that. So these are ways that you can help to lighten that um, the, the burden that these kind of customers can, can can put on you. But if after you try all of these and then they still cannot decide or they are still, they are still a bug, you need to maintain the engagement but put them in a the cooler. You know um, a personal example of of this would be those customers who sometimes they are not customers they might be leads and they just call to pick your brain so they set up a meeting you attend the meeting because you think you're going to be able to provide more clarity in the meeting that will help them make a decision to buy but then even after the meeting they still don't buy they call you once in a while to pick your brain Yeah. So those kind of people, you have to put them in the cooler. At a point, you have to put your foot down, no matter how polite they are, put your foot down and let them know, okay, I think I've provided enough information or enough clarity for you to make a decision. Mm-hmm. So boy, if this is not a good time, just let me know when you're ready to move on. But at this point, I'm not sure, I, you're taking away time that I, I'm supposed to use to serve uh, customers who have actually, you know, to whom I, or I have an obligation. So you have to make it, sometimes you have to put your foot down. Uh, for this kind of um, for this kind of customers. So to recap, in this episode, we've looked at five types of difficult customers. The first is the bully. The second is the know it all, the Mister or Miss Know It All. The third is the habitual complainer. The fourth is the no boundaries customer, and then the fifth is the indecisive. So I'm hoping that. If you have difficult customers, you're able to put them into one of these categories. And if there's any category I haven't covered, please feel free to reach out. I'm going to tell you how you can do that. And now that we've come to this point in this this episode of the podcast, there are four important things I need you to consider. The first is to join our Insiders Program. Our Insiders Program is an exclusive community of entrepreneurs who are working together to build their business over the next 10 years. So we look at everything from sales to raising capital to so analyzing business ideas and strategic opportunities, to building business systems, to helping with hiring and firing decisions, essentially everything. Because entrepreneurship is a game of solving problems and you don't get to pick and choose which problems show up on a day-to-day basis. That's why belonging to a group of Entrepreneurs who are building businesses in different industries can really help because this game is very lonely. Most entrepreneurs are working working hard in, in, in silos and belonging to a community of people who either have done what you have done or on the same journey with you can actually help to, to boost your chances of success. The second of four things I need you to consider is to tell your friends about this podcast. If you've learned something, if it's been valuable to you, then tell people, tell your friends about this podcast. It doesn't matter if you're trying to start a business, trying to grow a business, or trying to turn around a business. You have a smart friend who is entrepreneurial-minded, has started a business, or is about to start, recommend the Small starter Business podcast to them. The third thing I I want you to consider is if you like the value you're getting from this podcast, the very best way to say thank you is to leave us a five-star review. Now, it's not just for my ego. A five-star review helps us get ranked better in podcast directories. So if somebody is looking for a business podcast, Um, the more rankings they have, the more ratings they have, the better ranked they will be within the directory. So you won't just be saying thank you to us. You won't just be saying thank you to me and the team. You also make it easier for other entrepreneurs to find this podcast. And then the fourth thing I think you should consider is if you've heard something or you have something on your mind that you think you want me to address, there's a way to do it. I can get feedback on on this podcast. You can leave a recorded voice message on smallstarter.com Forward slash message to leave your your message and ask a question. I and mean, if it's interesting and if it's interesting enough, I could feature it on, on this podcast. I forgot to mention, if you're interested in joining our, our insiders program, you can learn more about how to join at small starters, smallstarter.com/slash insiders. It's smallstarter.com slash insiders. I can't wait to welcome you in there as our newest member. And until our very next episode. Stay positive. These are trying times. This episode is actually being recorded in the middle of the COVID 19 crisis. It's a tough time for businesses. People are getting, many people have lost their jobs. Many businesses have closed down. Many businesses are suffering like very low business activity. But if you listen to the very first episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast, the time to prepare for growth is in the decline. This is a time for you to look inwards and find the strength that you need to build your business. When things are going well, when things are going great, anybody can build a business. But the test of an entrepreneur is when the trying times come. And this is a time you need to stay true and hold on tight to your dream. And this is the time you need to start planning for the growth that is coming after this. I wish you a very safe day and a very safe time. Looking forward to the future. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast. To take our free business courses or join one of our signature programs for special entrepreneurs like you, head over to smallstarter.com to join our private community. See you inside.